Hi guys and welcome back for episode 13. Mark, how's your week been? It's been a week of frustration. It started on Sunday when I decided to go out on a school night mm-hmm. and then the rest of the week was just so tiring and I was exhausted. And then I came across, I had two major stories, a bikey murder and then a DV murder. So really important stories. Just really lighthearted stuff. Exactly. And then it got to like Wednesday, Thursday, where it's just started being annoying people in mm. the public. So there was a certain court officer who Not was naming any names. really, really annoying. Basically, it began with this court officer not letting me into the courtroom, not letting media into the courtroom because she decided that this is a COVID safe courtroom and we can have certain people in there, but not the media. Now, as you know, courts are supposed to be open to the public and the media. It's all about open justice, democracy. And I said to this woman, uh, I said, hi, how are you? And she said, what are you here for? And I said, I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm actually here for a high-profile case that we're reporting on today. It has a lot of public interest. And her response was, well, no media allowed in the courtroom. And I said, are you normally this unpleasant or did you just wake up like this this morning and decide to make it difficult? Or is it 2020? Or are you really standing to impede open justice? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Because you're not allowed to do that. We love a bit of moral high ground. Yeah. And so that kind of obviously didn't go down too well. But in the end, um, I won and we got into the courtroom and we were able to report on this case. But seriously, there, there are just these people at the moment that exists that it's like do you do you understand that 2020 has been a really annoying anyway but yet you're deciding to really make it even worse putting the pedal to the metal yeah i had a similar thing no one wants to do this here (laughs) everyone's over it and in fact let's just all do our best exactly and not make it worse for each other i agree so on i think it was tuesday within 10 minutes since i was doing a stroll in centennial park listening to a podcast minding my own 2020 business just trying to get my you know little mental health self-care routine you know on track for the day a dog trainer yelled at me because his dog ran at me and i reacted because this thing was the size of a horse so Mm -hmm. i was like oh trying to make sure it wasn't going to attack me and leap up on me apparently that was the wrong thing to do and then 10 minutes later, I got shoulder charged by this guy who didn't leave enough room for me on the path and wanted me to apparently drop and roll down a hill so that his <laughs> day was unimpeded. And then he, like, shoulder charged me. It was an army called, reserve camp or and something. And he called me a fuckwit at the top of his lungs yeah, in wow. Centennial Park. And I was like, well, this is this is kind this of not great. how I thought this day was going to go. This isn't great. So I feel like 2020 has taken a turn where before we were all in it together and mm. now it's just 2020 toxicity everywhere exactly so just be kind people mm. just be kind so today is a little bit more of a relaxed episode news has been a bit light this week other than your court run-in which yeah. is hot off the press yeah, it's hot off the press you heard it here first <laughs> so we thought that we would do a get to know us sort of q a episode i asked you guys for some questions over on instagram uh for mark and i whether it's just us individually or about us sort of and our friendship because Dole, it's it, we've been in each other's lives for a while now, 14 yeah. years. It's, it's been a good innings. It's been a struggle. Mm. <laughs> ups and downs, ups a, and downs. A delightful struggle, yeah. but a struggle nonetheless. So how do you feel about getting a little bit personal today? 
Uh, I haven't really thought about it, but you don't know what the questions. No, are. not at all. I don't know what the questions are. No, no one actually sent me any questions. No, they just sent you the questions. Clearly, that everyone thinks you're the responsible one. Well, given I'm the one running the admin and asking oh, followers okay. for questions, here we go. Logic would here sort of go. follow that they'd be sent first to me. First hurdle of the podcast might not survive. <laughs> you heard it here first. Let's see if this one makes it to air. So, really good one up front is how did you guys meet? So we met fairly conflicting at university. Versions. We both went to Charles Sturt in Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Both did journalism. In theory, in one theory. of us did journalism. The other one was enrolled in journalism and just went to uni bar a lot. Yes, and uh, given out. one of us is a journalist, I wonder which one that was. Yeah, we'll let ever don't don't spoil it. Okay. Um, and so we met um, basically on the balcony in between our accommodation. So our we dorms. both went to Towers on Charles State University. Which is a bit more of like the party-centric. It's the party accommodation. accommodation. yeah. And, uh, and it's beautiful. N- not for the faint-hearted. It's five-star. It's, fi- it's five-star. It's <laughs> half a star. I had a hole in my room that literally you could see to the other side of the building yeah. outside. It wasn't very pretty. Mm-mm. Anyway, and the shared showers and bathroom facilities that were you had just wear, a dream. You had to wear thongs in so you yeah. didn't end up with warts and sometimes on your you'd find spew in the shower. Among, amongst other things. Mm, yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so we met on the balcony and uh, I initially wasn't really sure about me. I sort of thought um, I just didn't really know. She was so great and fun and and bubbly but I just didn't really I think I was a bit shy I wasn't really that sure of myself and so I kind of just you know every time we would drink a lot out and about at bars we'd get along then the next day she would say hi to me and I would sort of just go into this cocoon and sort of like hey yeah and um not really engage one day we decided to go down to the park hotel which um would have a Wednesday night and I said to her, you know, you're going to the park. And she said, well, I have no money. And I said, well, nor do I. And I think one of us had $10 and the other had a goon you, sack. I had, a t- I had $10, you had a bag of goon, which yeah. for any of our international listeners is an at, like a plastic bag of wine. Cask wine. <laughs> With it's, like it's, a little nozzle on it. It was called Fritalexia and it was But it disgusting. travels well. It does. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many uses. It can double as a pillow. Yeah, once it's um, empty, you blow it up and it's a nice inflatable. could even be a pool toy. Yep, everything. Very diverse. So many different things. Mm. Um, Versatile, or, not diverse. Yeah. And so uh, we decided to take the goon down to the Park Hotel and a $5 taxi, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Or I think maybe we walked yeah, We walked there. Yeah. And because you never walk back because it's dangerous. Um, and um, we put the... It was so cold in Bathurst that we put the wine in the park across from the Park Hotel, mm. makes sense, in the bushes. And what we would do is go into the park, dance the night away, talk, be fabulous. (laughs) And then we would duck out now and then for a quick swig or two. And so we didn't actually buy a single drink unless someone would buy it for us or, you know, um, someone would accidentally leave a drink maybe. (laughs) Um, Desperate times. And that's how we became friends. There's a photo of us uh, with the green sack and, I'm wearing uh, decked out industry and now industry is good now industry clothing I think that I think like the owners of industry live down the road because they always have this huge industry yeah. van but 
So they've, it's they nice made quite now. a bit of money off your wardrobe choices It's back nice. Then. Yeah. I actually buy it again, but oh, um, it's a full circle. But Yeah, I'm wearing a strapless dress over jeans with a big woven leather belt with a great big bronze medallion. I've got like a Shetland pony fringe and I've clearly just taken a swig of the goon and I'm handing it to you and I look like I'm about to yeah. be violently ill. And I, my beautiful. outfit as well was a... Uh, aqua shirt mm-hmm. t-shirt mm-hmm. with a um a um, v-neck and like kind of off-white gray jeans with a white belt we with loved, a big eagle on it we loved an accessory and white loafers and an overuse of fudge product in my hair you did have a lot was more pushed hair then. to the side like sort of emo-ish yeah and Not it was sure emo. blonde. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, black. And um, some Armani reading glasses Ooh. that looked like they were probably from eight seasons ago. Um, and yeah, but a real can-do attitude. Yes, very, so, very dedicated. Mm. I remember our meeting and at the beginning of our friendship a little bit differently because we would like bond over a few drinks and then I would try to continue the momentum of our friendship and Mark would look at me like I was crazy. Absolutely the last person on earth he ever wanted to be associated with would just look me up and down and hi and then just walk off to mm. class which I would not go to that night. She would I would walk to she, you know this is the extent of which she would bully me. So I would be walking down to class having no sleep in some sort of garbage bag of an outfit and me I would be in the drafty area with friends and still sort of partying from the night before wrapped up in rugs I'm so exposed right now and she would say oh you're going to class like paying me out like being that loser that was sitting up the front at school you know and I was like you know it's not a crime to want to be a journalist it's not a crime to want to do well it's not a crime to work hard and then as I was walking away she goes you take notes for me doll and (laughs) Uh, you send them your way when you get back. And when I would offer to send the note, she's like, no, well, what am I, why would I want gonna, them? I'm not going to do my assignment. So what do I want that admin oh, okay. for? Okay. You're it's not going to do your assignment. Right. Okay. I, so. think, I think I did about four assignments in that whole first year. <laughs> I don't even think you did one. Why were you even there? For fun. She also would make me when she was hungover, once we actually <laughs> became friends, she had a car and she would make oh, me Kimmy, drive, drive down to Bathurst Town to Hungry Jacks to get a country chicken burger. She's obsessed. It had to be country chicken. And it was like, you have a car. I'm also hungover, yet I had to do everything. But this was to give you access to downtown hangover food as well. So that was the of price. Course, I, I want hangover food. You want hangover food. I think but I you don't me access. Because I think I'm still inebriated. So drive us safely to the hangover food place. You don't get to grant me access to a town. I do to my vehicle. Yes, but... Otherwise, off your trot, off your I had a car too. That's all you did too. Yeah, see, she's still <laughs> making up lies. <laughs> Anyway. Very creative. So there's that one. So that's how we met. How romantic. Uh, Do we have... Somebody's asked, what's the most embarrassing story you have about each other? I think it's that beginning meeting photo. Probably. Because we still show it to people. I don't know why. No, it's a retrospect sort of embarrassing moment. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's probably the most embarrassing moment we've had. This is a good one and a little bit more personal. Did Mark know Mia when she had her eating disorder and how did he react when he found out about her eating disorder? So I did know that I did know her when she had the eating disorder. So for context, we met when I was 18. Mm. My eating disorder kicked off at 19. I went into recovery at 25. So it was shortly after we became friends Mm that it my eating disorder developed. I didn't already have it. But as um, Mia's said in many of her tutorials and everything, you can have an eating disorder from my understanding, mm-hmm. which I'm not an expert, but you can have an eating disorder, but not look anorexic or not look bulimic. Not look like the stereotype, exactly. which is the danger yeah, of the stigma. Exactly, yeah. which I never knew really until much later that that's how it worked. And... Um, and so I never really, I mean, Mia was always like in shape generally. And, and so it was hard to sort of tell. Um, and, and, you know, we would have meals together. And so I never really suspected anything because it just was, and I guess you become an expert in hiding it too. Mm. And so I didn't know. Um, I when she dropped out of uni I sort of wondered why and she sort of said it I think she said she wanted to do psychology or she was looking at trying to do something else oh wow I don't remember that yeah or something you were sort of thinking about I don't remember to be fair I don't remember a lot from that period so I did know her but I didn't know about it until years later and when I found out even when I was in London um so we were living there at the same time and I met up with her at a pub and I I did, looking back, mm. I did notice that now that I think about it, you were much skinnier mm. and, and your head was bigger, yeah. you know? And so now that I actually look back and think about it, you know, I can probably see it now, but I think it's really hard to pick up. And also I think the dialogue of eating disorders has really opened up in the last sort of five, six years, maybe even 10 years. Mm. And, and back then it was still, you know, I guess it wasn't as um, uh, encouraged as much to talk about it and, yeah. and be upfront. So, and the fact that like, as you say, you're trying to identify from what somebody looks like, whether mm. or not they have an eating disorder. And this is what I try to drive home with people that even though I fit into like the stereotype of the anorexia diagnosis, mm. I didn't look like the emaciated stereotype. And a lot of people, most people don't. It's the mental headspace that's the problem. And so if anyone's trying to, if loved ones, if they only understand sort of the stigma and that's what they're trying to gauge, of course people aren't going to pick it up. And because you're taller as well. Mm. um, And this is one of the things I've noticed is that um, people always say, you know, oh, you know, I weigh whatever amount or whatever. Um, but you've also got to put it into the context of how tall you are yes. and, and what build you are and everything. So For my weight to change, it, it is not that noticeable. Yeah. It really isn't. Yeah. And, and for and tall so, people, it just isn't. Yeah, and so when you are like that, it's hard to... So I think that's it can be really dangerous to say, I weigh this amount on this amount comparing, but then you look at the person, you're like, well, that person's double your height. So yeah. it makes sense that they would weigh a lot more than you. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I would say I didn't really know about it, but obviously when I found out about it, it was, you know, heartbreaking and, you know, but I was glad that eventually she felt comfortable to tell me. Um, and yeah. And by the time I kind of knew you were almost on your way to recovery, I mean, you were sort of, um, starting 
your YouTube channel just, um, you know, not as a platform it is today, but just a, a diary for you to look back on and, and see where your progress has come to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it was even in telling people about it that I got to reconnect with people. Like you and I have been a really constant presence in each other's lives since we met, but we didn't necessarily spend a heap of time together. No. Like especially say in like our early 20s, uh, mid 20s. And then, but I went overseas. I went to true, Canada and did a true. ski season. Then I went to London, and then I went to Doha, and then I came back. So there was this sort of gap in our friendship where we were always friends. But you know, like everyone, when someone moves overseas, you don't talk every week. No. You might not even talk every six months. We live two kilometers away from each other, and yes. I'm still terrible at communication. Exactly. <laughs> but um, so I think. You know, with distance like that, it makes it harder to pick up on things totally. too. So, but when I needed support and I went into recovery, I instinctively went back to my old friendships, mm. and then we started spending a lot yeah. of time together because it was like because I was getting back in touch with that healthy part of me. Yeah. It was like, who is it healthy for me to be around? Yeah. And it's those people who really love you and who are really there for the dark stuff. Like yeah. everyone can be there when things are fun, and you know drinks on a friday mm. but it's when things are dark that you know you need to get back to like your core people yes good lead on for this one is has mark ever dealt with any sort of mental health struggles is that something you are comfortable answering yeah yeah of course okay, um, go for it. so my main mental health struggle was coming out mm-hmm. so i when i left uni i was sort of it was definitely starting to become real. So as much as I was pushing it away, it was coming to the surface. Mm -hmm. And so for a year after I finished uni, I was in, I saw a psychologist every week and I didn't really know. I didn't know that. Yeah. This is the first time. But I didn't talk about about that. I was sort of talking about my struggling with it. Yes. But I wasn't entirely sure I'd made up my mind. Yeah. Um, And so I did that for a year and then can I just ask, what was some of the, if like when you went to see the psychologist, mm. what were the feelings you, like, were you anxious? Were uh, you I was anxious. Yeah. I was down, but also I just didn't really want to be gay. Yeah. And I was also convinced. And I think I even convinced the psychologist that I was confused. Mm. So it was that level that I was still convincing even the psychologist, I was confused. Were you in, like trying to convince or were you in I think denial? I, was, I think I was denial. I think I was trying to convince. Mm. It was almost a subconscious thing. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to go traveling and see the world and just have fun and whatever. And I did. And then eventually um, did Canada ski season. That was fun. Just sort of put it a bit out of my, my head. And then... Um, got to London and it was bubbling and London was great because I didn't really know many people there so I could just kind of experiment and do whatever and meet friends that were gay and um, and not really have to sort of confront the situation so that was good and then I went to Brazil um, to meet a guy who I knew in Sydney who I had had a thing with thought we were friends where he was actually my flatmate for a bit in uh, Willamaloo when I first moved back from Bathurst mm-hmm. and um, and so I, we went traveling together over there and he was gay, he's gay and so we had a really good time and then I met this guy who's my best friend in London Michael yeah um, and who I would love to meet yeah he's great yeah. value and so 
we were in Rio at this party and I think David Guetta was DJing and it was like 5am in the morning and everyone's dancing and I sort of was getting a bit anxious in, on the dance floor and I found that I was, it was hot and there was a lot of people and no one spoke English and I just sort of kind of felt a bit overwhelmed and I was sort of I I was supposed to meet Michael because he was very good friends with the guys I was traveling with flatmate mm. and so that flatmate said hey Michael's gonna be in Rio by himself can you guys meet up with him and we meant to but we hadn't got around to it so I'm on the dance floor dancing away and then he bumps into me and I go, can you watch it? And he goes, oh, sorry. But, and I said, oh my God, you speak English. And then we made the connection. Oh, that, wow. Yeah. That, oh my God, you're Michael. Oh my God, Mark. And then anyway, he looked after me that night. We ended up, my friend kind of met, found love as you do. And However, so we didn't briefly. He <laughs> did, didn't see him again. And, uh, and so me, Michael and another guy hung out for a bit. Um, and became quite good friends. And then one day on the beach, he said to me, so they did like coming out stories. And the other guy we were with had this beautiful coming out story. It was like, you know, he was my best friend at school. And then we kind of, you know, took a bit further and we dated for years and really happy. And Michael's was really, really funny. It was just like, not, not very, um, not, not something you'd want to sort of, I guess, you know, um, relive, you know, mm. first experiences often aren't, mm. but this other guy his one happened to be great and then I said well actually I haven't done it yet Mm. and so they were really good and sort of got me to a point where you know I felt okay with it and I thought okay now because the thing is if women are bisexual or confused it's considered like oh you know that's kind of trendy or or you know she's kind of figuring it out like blah blah but if a guy is it's like he's definitely gay yes and that's there's this kind of weird like thing they're, they're on the highway that, and they're just taking but also like that bisexuality doesn't exist if you're a male but it does if you're a female i mean yeah. it's so black and white and so bizarre well i think it's also because with women it's hypersexualized yeah. so it's like men are more okay with it because they feel like they get to benefit from it because it's like oh two chicks yeah. together you yeah. know what i mean so yeah. of course it's more acceptable for yeah. women whereas for men they're like oh no you're just gay yeah yeah, yeah. so um so anyway then um I sort of got to a point where I was going back to London and Michael said, okay, so you just got to tell one person. Mm. And so I'm landing in Stansted or whatever it is. Yeah. And I get off the plane and on the way down, as I'm about to land, I'm thinking, you know what? It was just a phase. Like whatever, just a phase, just whatever, whatever. And, um, and then I landed and I got a text from him saying, just do it, one person. God love him. And I was like, oh, God damn. So I messaged um, my friend Vicky and Pep, who mm. are school friends who lived in London, and who I'm still friends with today. And they, I said, oh, can we meet for a drink at um, a pub? And they said, oh, yeah, sure. But are you tired? Like, are you? And I said, oh, no, I really need to meet you tonight. And so, because I knew I wouldn't do it otherwise. And so I did. And then... Um, so I was like, oh, so I have to tell you something. And they were like, you got someone pregnant. And I was like, no. How uh, ironic. You, you know, <laughs> have some weird third arm or, you know, those type of questions. And then one was like, you're gay. And I was like, bingo. Yeah. And so, and they were really good. They were great. And, you know, it was so 
um, easy. And well, then... funnily enough, the time that we met up in London was for you to tell me. Mm. And I was harboring my own huge yeah. secret. And yeah. then you were like bravely telling me yeah. yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then, um, and then I uh, Skyped to my mum and told her... And dad wasn't around. And so um, I said, can you just tell him? Because it's exhausting. Mm. And then the next day, my dad called me and I got a call and I was thinking, oh, God, I can't do this. Mm. And uh, I answered and he goes, hi, how are you? And I was like, good, good. Why are you calling? <laughs> and he was like, oh, mum just told me some really beautiful news yesterday. Yeah. And so and then, of course, the floodgates came out. I was crying and upset. And so, I mean, it really could not have been any easier yeah. i haven't got had any flack i haven't had uh i've been very very fortunate not yeah. to have anyone turn on me because mm. of that so that's very rare and mm. very lucky because mm. there are a lot of people that are still battling that and people that come from you know parochial environments um that you know don't have that luxury so i've been very very privileged and very fortunate did you notice once you'd come out and more people knew that that anxiety and mm. depression kind of it just faded. went yeah and also i became way more confident and i think going back to why i wasn't so forthcoming with you when i first met you was mm. because someone told me one day they said if you um or you, the reason you need to come out is because your friendships and your connections with people will be more real mm. there's probably a lot of your friends thinking i don't really know the real mark mm. and and there would be this funny thing about you that they would talk about so they'd say there's something about mark that's just something about him and someone said that and i thought gee that that really resonates mm. with me because you know when you meet someone you're like there's something not quite right about it's them it's so funny you say that because i always remember i was at the oaks which is a pub on the north shore where we both hail from mm. it's the only pub anyone ever goes to it is any, a good pub it is a great pub like mm. i'd love to go back for nostalgia now yeah. but it's the only place we ever went for decades and i was there with friends like uh josie who you really didn't know mm. at the time and sort of friends who were not uni friends and you came up and you like just sat down, you pulled up a chair and you mm. sat down and you were so anxious and un just not happy. Mm. You were not happy. No. And I remember talking to someone who I, you know, who was a good friend of both of us. And I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm worried about Mark. Like I, every time I see him, he's less and less happy. He's more and more mm. anxious. Have you noticed? And the next time I saw you was when we were, we were in London. Mm. And every time after that, it's like there's there's Mark before London and there's Mark after. Yeah. And it was like this pressure cooker before London. And yeah. then it was just you totally settling into who you were meant to be. Yeah. And that anxiety and that unhappiness just went away. And there wasn't really a reason for me to not want to come out. Um you know, my mum was a flight attendant for 20 years. She grew up around gay people. My dad's best friend is gay, who was my godfather, who mm. passed away recently. And so there was no reason. I just wanted, I thought I wanted to live in a suburban house with a white picket fence oh God, and a golden retriever <laughs> and kids and everything. Just because I thought, oh, it'd just be so good just to be normal. But now I love being different. It's oh, so totally. much fun. In fact, actually... 
it's almost like we're not really different anymore. <laughs> um, so it's kind of funny. All these years, it would be alternative to all, be really these, conservative, like living in the white. All these on the years, we've been wanting same-sex marriage, and people just to treat us normally and everything. Yeah. And now, when we go to gay bars, sometimes they're like, "Okay, there are a lot of straight women on a hen's <laughs> night here," and it's well, that is frustrating. Quite funny because. Um, you know, You're either here as an ally or you need to find yeah, your own place. But also, also there is something to be said about people wanting to, you know, have their own sacredness to a community. Of course. But then also you do want to be accepted. So it's quite interesting. Mm. It's an interesting thing where, um, you know, where I guess we're sort of maybe seeing, um, you know, less and less gay bars now because people just go everywhere. Yeah. You don't, um, it's not necessarily that people need these exclusive, like, uh, safe spaces mm. because hopefully they're increasingly yeah. more safe. Just but then it's also sad not spaces. to have you know the dive gay bar. And, yeah. and so it's a it's an interesting thing. But yeah, that's um that's my story. Good follow on to that. And I don't know in what context they're asking this because I don't think you and I will be getting married. Um, but what do you guys think about getting married and having children? <laughs> First, over to you, doll. Whoa. I mean. <laughs> Whoa, it's a lot of. Commi- I told I told you they were deep. There's questions. a lot of commitment in that um in that question. Look, I'm I'm sort of of the view that um that you don't need to be married or to be in a relationship to have a family. Mm-hmm. So um you know a lot of my friends I consider family. My uh, one of my other best friends, Lara and Ben, they've just had a daughter called Sage, mm. who's my goddaughter, mm. first one. And so it's quite nice having that. Like she's, you know, I feel very sort of um, honored to be in that role and yeah. I really care about her. And instantly there's this kind of, you know, sort of fatherly love in a way. Um, but then also, you know, I get to be the cool uncle and I get to hand her back. <laughs> when she gets annoying that's an integral Um, part of that so i don't think um you know as much as um you know i don't think you need to to get married and stuff to know that those connections aren't going to go away yeah and i think look i've always been of the opinion that marriage is not something that's necessary as far as you know Mm. partnership uh i grew up it, not only in a household where there was lots of divorce just in our family, but in our wider circle, everyone had been divorced and mm. there were acrimonious, awful divorces, which is not to say that if you're married, um, that that's the reason why split ups are awful, but I just don't see it as a necessity. No. Having children, yes, absolutely, I'd like to have a child, but I have never thought that's kind of... The need, it needs to um, come... From within a traditional yeah. mold of a family, and so. I and I consider myself incredibly mm. lucky. But you know what? We kind of almost are married because we don't have sex. Oh, totally. So we're about to go to Lord Howe for a week and sleep in the same bed. Exactly. So you know what? <laughs> Just, if if you wanted us to get married, we're pretty much already it's married. Pretty much so, already there. You know, I think you maybe can ring those talk- bells. And yes, we are accepting wedding gifts. <laughs> we'll give you some registry information yes. soon. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've always known I want to have a child. I am incredibly open minded to the idea mm. of marriage, but it's certainly not something I aim to do. I think it's weird to have those things as like you don't goals. Know. You don't know. Oh, you don't know exactly. How do you know you, know you want to get married unless you know? Who, who you it want to is. get married to? Exactly. That's I never what I get always that. find so weird about that I trope never understand of it. I, you know, dreamt of my wedding day. To who? <laughs> to who? How do you know? How do you know? What if it's who Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> 
I don't understand. What if it's the second Hitler? What if like, people say, I want to get married? Then do you want to, to get married? To who? To who? So always open to it, yeah. but I think you can say that about anything in life. I'm not a five-year plan, two-year plan, 10-year plan person. It's just whatever comes along, you make the best decisions and whatever your ideals and values are, try to follow those. Here's another really good one. Yeah. Did you freak out about turning 30? And this question was from someone who is freaking out about turning okay. 30. So I didn't freak out about turning 30 at all. Why I was not? really excited mm. because it's quite nice because your 20s is all about you're so unsure. You're a disaster. I mean, if there was one word, I was a disaster. it's unsure. Yeah. And you don't really know who you are and, and you're still trying to make money. You're still trying to kick those career goals and you're sort of struggling along. You're kind of a bit out of control. And um, and I felt that when I turned 30, I really knew who I was. You're earning a bit more coin. Mm-hmm. You can do nicer things. You kind of develop your own sense of style. You kind of also develop a lot more integrity. So what you're going to stand for, what you're not going to. Um, but I love turning 30. It's really I did fun. Too. I it's did really too. good. I you get no. you, you were so the thirties are great. I, mean, I agree. And, and I, I think it. look, as a woman, I think that people I think there's this awful stereotype out there of, you know, you're meant to freak out about turning thirty. I was so excited because to me it symbolized um yeah, that level of adulthood that's... like settling into yourself yeah whereas Achievement my 20s from within I yeah think. yes exactly yeah. and that my 20s was so chaotic and obviously i went through recovery and started recovery at 25 and that was such a reckoning and like a real uh moment where i had to deal with so much of my stuff and so many of my issues but your 20s are so brutal in that there's this pressure mm. to have everything figured out to know who you are to know what goals you're meant to have and be kicking them. And it's once you get to your 30s, you're like, it's all no, bullshit. not at all. And you, you get to your 30s and that yeah. pressure kind of drops. Yeah. And I think that one of the key differences is that you get into your 30s and you go, oh, I still don't know that much about, you know, necessarily but that's what okay. I, where I'm doing. Yeah. The pressure you goes. Don't care exactly. So and it's not so much thing, the not knowing that's the problem, it's the pressure. The best thing about 30 as well is that 30 birthdays are expensive right Mm. so when i turned 30 i did 30 for 30 so 30 people yes i did a beautiful lunch at manta restaurant at on the wharf it was a beautiful sunny day um i had a few speeches um and i got everyone to just put in pay for the food which was like a 100 bucks each and then um i put on the bar tab which was unlimited 1500 for a few hours so yeah. it was a really good it deal was a fun and it was night. worth spending that money i mean it it broke me a little bit but you know it was worth, worth it. it but it was good because i sort of thought well realistically 30 for 30 like you don't see it's hard to catch up with people that you want to see anyway mm. so do you know what as you get older and older your friendship list goes down and you really invest in the people that actually matter and then yeah. um and it doesn't mean you're not as you're not friends with those other people they're just sort of th- you know periphery friends or yeah. you know they're Everyone just has part their of your role. life exactly like people have their certain yeah. place in your life and i think that's a result of you've got to realize that it's so exciting the too, time that you're spending on this earth you're also getting to know yourself exactly so the longer you're on the planet the more you refine your values and who you are and what you're about and who you want to be with and so you're going to become more self-assured purely based on the fact that you've been around for longer, right? 
And even and people during... take you more seriously. Exactly. That's what they I do. loved. My entire career, mm. and there's that also that knowledge within yourself that oh now I'm in my 30s, people are going to take me more seriously. So you kind of exude that a little bit more, and people don't kind of patronize you as much, or just go like oh you wouldn't understand, or you know they and don't they don't just put everything down to your age. And on my 33rd birthday, mm. I had a dinner of 10 people because of COVID restrictions. And then they lifted it, I think, to 20 a week before. And was like, I was like, oh, oh. And that was fine. And so it, it really is it really is nice. It's, it's, a, it's a really good feeling turning mm. 30. And, you know, it really is actually quite young because I now think, oh, I'm actually excited to turn 40. I am too. Because I think 40 will be great because, you know, you'll be listening to those songs like, you know, Don't Chuff by the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> and that'll be considered like, you know, like a Beatles version or something, something not so like that. It's, it's already really... very outdated. You're just, you're not doing a great Do job you know of shining I mean? light on your music. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's like top 40, I don't you know, like Don't Chuff by the Pussycat yeah. Dolls. Exactly. Came out last week. It's just so current. So anyway, there you go. There's our thoughts on 30. Yes. Uh, I'm, we'll finish off with this one. Uh, what do you love most about each other? I really liked this question. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Hesitation <laughs> and deep Quick, com- contemplation. Keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. Uh, um, okay, so um, Mia. Okay, what do I like about her? Um, love. Sorry, love God, about her. Freudian slip. Um, she's um. Well, I'm. I'm I, the mo- the thing I'm most proud about her is that she's overcome an eating disorder and she's turned it into her biggest strength. So. You know, she'll never talk about this, but, you know, she's a Butterfly fan Foundation ambassador. She started a YouTube channel just for herself that's now got, you know, tens and tens of thousands of um, viewers and listeners. Um, you know, she's coaching people through their darkest times. Um, and, you know, that's quite remarkable considering she was in that time, you know, less than 10 years ago. Um, so that's my biggest thing I'm proud of her about god that's really inarticulate no and then, it was beautiful and then um you know she's a lot of fun she's so much fun she is always the last at the party with me <laughs> and so even though true. she even though she likes to pretend that I'm the bad influence you are. You are. she equally loves she can't say goodbye either oh no way so i don't know when so the party's over she always blames me <laughs> to be escorted out yeah she's like should we just stay for a little bit longer should <laughs> well, we go come now back to my place we'll kick why don't on. we just do one more hour um so that she's so much fun and look she's always a great listener she's so kind always there can oh, always funny. rely on her and um yeah, she's just an all-round laugh, really, as oh, well. Oh, good time, mm. girl. Yeah. Um, what do I love about Mark? That was beautiful. Well, I don't you, know Jack. if you'll be able to fit that in half an hour of my bit. Oh, look, I'll chop it up. It'll be like the Titanic. The, we might the have to do hours. a whole new episode on me. <laughs> we'll start a new podcast about just what I love about you. Um, what do I love about Mark? I Look, Mark, we have that in common. We, are, we don't know when to stop. We mm-hmm. are absolutely good time people we love to have a laugh and a dance and, a and there's nobody who i love like swinging around to uh sure or whitney houston on the dance floor with oh my god can we please do that soon or soon. i'm gonna lose my mind i know um come on gladys let us dance <laughs> and the funny thing about mark is that people know that side of mark and i feel so privileged that i get to know 
the you know that's the true mark but there's so much depth to him that people don't know and i'll meet other friends of him other friends of his who might know good time mark and let them know he's probably one of the greatest friends i've ever had and will ever have and he's like shut up shut up shut up shut up just stop it stop it and i'm like no no he is the kindest sweetest most loyal person underneath all this sass you're good at hiding it but truly if there if i was ever and i knew this because when my dad passed away last year almost every single day i would get a text from mark saying Mm. you know i'm going to call you and you do not have to answer but the call on your phone is just an opportunity to pick up and talk but if you don't want to it's just a reminder just to get up your missed calls you know (laughs) just so it looks popular like oh doll she knows she's not getting a lot of attention (laughs) see i can't take a nice i can't take a compliment instantly and then behind the scenes it's like marshmallow he's he's soft as butter and I couldn't have survived so many of the experiences that we've had in the last 14 years without you because Vice versa. it's it's family. We've always said that mm-hmm. you are you are family. Uh, and anybody who is lucky to call you a friend, like just light in my life. I can't you say enough. You are so incredibly welcome. Amelia, I know I like. am. <laughs> you remind me on an almost a daily basis. So welcome. Everyone's <laughs> welcome out there. But um, just no, loyal so nice. and it's funny and beautiful. Yeah. I'll take the compliment and yeah. not make a joke about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. very You're sweet. bright red, but that's okay. Yeah. You match your jumper. So I really liked that. Yeah. I liked doing a little that bit of fun. a deep dive on some more Please personal stuff. Please send me questions too. Well, you could just put a story up asking for okay, questions. Okay, yeah, I will do that. I yeah. Will. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We might do like a part two in the yes. future. Okay. That's driven by Mark. Okay. So he can vet the questions. Perfect. Yeah, and embarrass me publicly. So, guys, thank you so much for your questions, first and foremost, for your continued support with the podcast. We are having so much fun doing it. I hope that you guys are enjoying the episodes. As per usual, let us know your feedback and anything you'd like us to talk about going forward. Um, But otherwise, I think we should do a quick shout out as well to people down in Melbourne who are doing it tough with today's announcement. I think a lot of people are struggling with with what I've seen. So. You know, personally from me, and I'm, I know from Mark, mm. we're thinking of you guys. Yes, the lockdown continues mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. it's just, um, yeah, it's been a long time considering we did six weeks, I think, in Sydney. I and they've I done really can't months imagine. and months and Look, months. I'm an introverted homebody and yeah. I think I would be oh. really, really struggling, yeah. really struggling. Those so we're thinking of you guys. become smaller and smaller. That's right, especially um, when you're in a bed sit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a studio. <laughs> If we get stuck again, yes. you can just come and But I'm not an here. artist anyway. <laughs> um, so, guys, you have a wonderful week. We will be back next week with another episode. Do you want to say goodbye, Mark? And remember, don't be that difficult court officer, okay? <laughs> don't be her. And don't shoulder charge people who are just trying to have a podcast in a stroll. Exactly. Have Enjoy your week, guys. All right, guys. See you soon.